Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. If this is your first time here joining us, welcome. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad you joined us this morning. It is Holy Week. Man, what a great week. Uh, so excited. Today is Palm Sunday. Uh, we have a Good Friday service coming this Friday. So um, invite you to that. It's going to be Friday at 7 o'clock here. And um, then Easter Sunday next Sunday. So very exciting stuff. Uh, one actually extra thing this year is the week after Easter, we have our grand opening service. We've sent out 7,500 letters to our community, and we're planning on doing two services, not Easter, but the week after Easter at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., so we're really excited about that as well. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to be talking about the triumphal entry. It is Palm Sunday, so we're going to talk about the triumphal entry. Have you guys ever experienced something in your life where things just aren't as they seem? Maybe uh, you received a gift that you, um, you know, it's a, maybe it's an anniversary, maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's some, some big events coming up in your life, and, and you, you maybe had an idea, but you, you had this expectation for a big gift, and your spouse bought you that vacuum cleaner. You know, one of those kinds of gifts, right? You're like, hey, it's our 25th anniversary, I'm thinking it's going to be this, and you know, it's a membership to Weight Watchers. You know, wow, right? Yeah, right? Have you, ever, have you ever gotten a gift like that? You're like, ouch, man, that's, that's not what I was expecting. I remember one time growing up uh, as a kid, I think I was probably around 10, 11 years old, I had these huge expectations for this Christmas gift. I had my mind set on this Christmas gift. It was some silly little toy. I mean, but as an 11, 10, 11 year old kid, I mean, those silly little toys, I mean, you, you know what they were because they show these commercials for them. You watch the commercial, you see it a hundred times and by the 98th time, you just have to have it. It doesn't change guys. As we get older, it's the same, same way, right? They're just more expensive toys. You know, it's that, that fancy car, whatever it may be. But as a 10 or 11-year-old kid, I had these, this expectation that my dad was going to get me this amazing gift. So Christmas morning comes around. I have two little brothers, one older sister. We're going through the gifts, you know, and I'm looking around, and I don't see a box the right size. You know, I, I, you, know I, you get that, that thought, and you're just going, ah. You know, I, I, I think I was clear. I wrote, you know, 787 letters to dad, you know, that, you know, the, the, I'm going to get this right gift, and I'm looking around the house. My sister opens all her presents. My brothers open all their presents, and I, I open my presents, and I'm like, this can't be all, right? I, I, where's, where's the gift? Where, where is this, this amazing, this, my heart was set on this. Man, I know I told mom and dad about this, you know. I know this was there, but where's the gift? And man, you know, you, when you have expectations, Right? When you bring expectations, my wife always says, when you have expectations, they breed frustration. And my frustration can turn to anger real quick, especially as a 10 year old, right? I had these expectations. Man, I was, I was mad. I was like, I wrote the, you know, was, come on, this is, this is all I asked for was this one gift, you know? And I remember my dad sees me, you know, kind of off to the side with my head down and whiny, you know, and he comes up to me and he says, man, what's wrong, buddy? And I was like, well, you know, I. They, you know, I didn't get, you know, I was asking for this one thing. Where is it? And he goes, well, there's one more gift, Matt. There's one more gift. And he hands me this little key. And I'm like, well, this isn't what I was asking for either. What is this little key? He goes, well, go out to the garage. And so I go out to the garage, and my brothers and sister are following me. I open the garage, and there's a go-kart. I mean, a, a, a go-kart. I was like, 
are you kidding me? I, we could take, you know, right away, I'm like taking it out of the garage. I take off into the backyard. We had about four acres back there, and I was making my little racetrack almost instantly. You know, sometimes we have expectations. We have ideas. We have wants and desires. And, and we take those wants and desires to our Heavenly Father. And I'll tell you what, almost 100% of the time, he, he looks at those expectations, he looks at those wants and those desires, and he says, hmm, that's just a cheap little toy. And I got something so much better for you. Have you ever experienced that in your life? We bring our wants and desires to God, and then he shows us what we truly need. Man, as we talk about the triumphal entry, we're going to see expectations from people, and then we're going to see God's gifts to people. Pray with me before we read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. God, that you so loved us, that you so loved the world, that you sent your only son to die for us, to take our place, to take the punishment for our sin. And make a way for us to be in right relationship with you, God. We thank you for that amazing love. God, we pray this morning that you would move on our hearts, that you would change us and grow us, that we would walk out of here different than we walked in. For your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at this in Matthew 21 here. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble. And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. All right, I'm going to stop us right there. The first thing I, I want us to think about here in this text is, and it's the first fill-in in your notes as you came in. Uh, hopefully you got a program in there. There's three fill-ins today, and this is the first of the three fill-ins. If you're watching online, you can actually get these online as well. But the first fill-in is this. We have peace because God sent his son for us. We have peace because God sent Jesus for me and you. And he came riding a colt. He didn't come riding a war horse. He was actually born in a manger. But as he's entering Jerusalem, as his triumphal entry is happening, he's riding a donkey. Now, in biblical times, when a king came into town riding a horse, it was a sign of conquering. It was a sign of war. But Jesus came riding a donkey. And the sign of a donkey in these times, when a king came riding a donkey, it was a sign of peace. Jesus was coming to bring peace. Even the picture of being on a donkey, Jesus was coming to bring peace. Now, the cool thing here is that Matthew's quoting the prophet Zechariah. And I, I just love God's word. I love the Bible because you can go back to the Old Testament and you see all of these prophecies this foretelling of future events. I don't know if you've picked up on this or not, but normal books don't tell the future. Uh, the Bible's a little different. The Bible tells the future. And the prophecies in Scripture have come to pass and are coming to pass. And here we see one of these prophecies right in Zechariah. 
And I have it right here. It's in Zechariah 9.9, starting in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here in Zechariah, God is promising peace. So here's what's going on in Zechariah. The God's people have been exiled. This exile is ending. They're coming back. And Zechariah is prophesying these promises from God that God's going to restore his nation, that God's going to protect them, provide for them. And right in the middle of this prophecy that Zechariah is giving, he makes this amazing, shocking statement. And he says, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, riding a donkey, bringing peace. He's coming to you. God is pointing. Now, that's a great prophecy, right? This provision, this promise that God is making to his people coming out of exile. This is great stuff as they're hearing this. But God is saying something through Zechariah that is so much greater than just the time that he's in just the people that he's talking to. He's actually talking to me and you. He's talking about Christ's coming. Because what kind of king is righteous and has salvation? What kind of king brings salvation? The good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who is this righteous king having salvation? It's Jesus. That's who Zechariah is talking about. You know, see, the people, God's people wanted peace. They were living, in Bible times, in Jesus' time, they were living under the wicked rule of Rome. Now, I don't know if you know history very well or not, or if you've studied the Rome, you know, Roman Empire. It was horrific. It was like a, a nightmare. Sodom and Gomorrah type stuff, horrific. It was terrible. And the Romans ruled over the Jewish people just terribly. They were horrible rulers. And, and these God's people were thinking of a Messiah. They were hoping for a Messiah that would bring them peace, bring them peace with Rome. They thought that the Messiah was coming. He was, he was going to be this conquering king. He was going to come in, lay the smack down on Rome, and free God's people from this wicked rule of Rome. But Jesus was coming to bring peace, but peace in a way they were not expecting. See, they had expectations. They knew what they wanted, they had written it down. They had sent many letters, many prayers. But they were bringing these expectations. You know, we have chaos in our lives. We have chaos all around us. And I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life that I've been looking for peace. I've been looking for peace in the chaos, in the mess, and, and in this world all around us. You may be praying for Freedom from a struggle, freedom from debt, worry, conflict, or some other thing. And bringing those expectations, that list, that 787 times of praying that prayer of, God, this is what I need right now, man. This is, I know what I need. I've got it, I've got it written out. i got the plan written out. My life, you know, kind of scheduled down, and I know exactly what I need. God, this is what I'm praying for. But see, God sees past the fruit and goes right to the root. And, and so oftentimes we look at just the fruit and we just want to deal with the fruit. And a lot of times we can't even see the root, those foundational issues of the problems that are in, the, in their lives. We, we pray, God, take away this anxiety. And he says, I'm teaching you to trust me. 
We pray, God, take away this conflict. And he says, I'm teaching you forgiveness. We ask for it now. And God says, wait. I'm teaching you patience. We want it all to go away. And now hear this. And God is using every little bit of it, every part of it, to grow us and change us and show us who he is. That's what God is about. God's not about giving us an easy life. God's not about giving us everything that we ask for. God is about his glory and, and changing us and sanctifying us to be more like his son, Jesus. We have to remind ourselves that God works all things together for good, for those who are called according to his purposes, that, that he started this good work in us, and he's going to bring it to completion, no matter what, no matter what. We don't like messy lives, though. I, we don't. We don't like messy lives, but we have to realize that God's in the mess. God is in the mess. Maybe you're, you're here today for the first time, or, or maybe you're in that mess. You're in that chaos. Here's what, I, here's what I want to just encourage you with this morning. I don't know what you're going through, but I know this. Everything that comes into your life, God wants to use it to grow you and change you and draw you unto himself. No matter what it is you're going through, you may be, you know, just have experienced one of the greatest victories in your entire life. Maybe you're facing one of the worst struggles you've ever had to walk through. No matter what it is, God wants to use that thing to draw you closer and closer and closer to him. That's, that's who we serve. That's the God we serve. He is not done with us. He is not done with you. And he will not settle for 98% of your heart, 99% of your heart, 99.9% of your heart. He is going to work his will and his ways in you until every little bit, every little bit is poured out for him. We don't like the mess, but God is using it. And God is in the mess. Don't miss God in your mess. If you're struggling, if you're down for the count, look for Jesus because he's right there with you. See, Jesus came to bring us peace. Peace between us and our creator. And that peace affects every aspect of our lives. That peace, that, that peace with the divine permeates every little thing, every aspect, every relationship, everything in our lives. You see, what we're reading in this text, God's people thought Jesus came to bring them peace, but it's not the peace they were hoping for. Let's pick it up in verse 6. It says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. This is what they would have done for a king, putting their cloaks out. We call this Palm Sunday because we're celebrating the triumphal entry where Jesus comes in on the donkey. They put palm, you know, palm branches down. That's what they would do for a king. This is Jesus' king entry. This is awesome. I wish I could have been there to see this. It says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, get this, Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the triumphal kingship entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Man, what it would have been to, to see and experience this. Now, those shouts of Hosanna in just a few days turn to shouts of crucify him. Think about that for just a second. You talk about expectations, breeding frustration and anger. We see it in the Holy Week. The expectations they had. You see Jesus, the second filling in your notes. I've already talked about it a little bit. Is that Jesus was bringing peace. But it was not the peace they were looking for. It was not the peace they were looking for. They start out with this triumphal entry and the things are great. They're worshiping Jesus. They're laying down tree branches, palm branches. They're treating him like the king that he is. A king that was going to set them free. But free from what is the question. Jesus came to bring peace between creation and creator. They wanted a Messiah that would rescue them from Rome. He came to rescue them from hell. Did you catch that? They wanted rescue from Rome, and Jesus comes to rescue from hell. They were under Rome's wicked rule. They wanted this freedom, and I don't blame them. If you think about Rome, and as we talked about that already, they were awful, they were a mess. It would have been a good thing. I mean, honestly, it would have been a good thing. If Jesus would have came and, and conquered Rome and set his people free, that's a good thing. But sometimes these expectations and these lists that we make, they're good things. But God has great things set aside for us. And sometimes when we, when we try and, and work it all out ourselves and we try and make those lists and we try and do it on our own, we're making good lists. And God has great lists. I mean, you think about the rescue plan that God had. I mean... They wanted rescue from Rome. That's great. But God is thinking eternally. He's thinking about eternity with him. Sometimes we see the good things and fail to see the great things. We only see a small picture. And God sees the big picture. When we, and here's, here's something I, I was thinking about this week. When you don't see everything, when you only see a part of the picture... It's really easy to be deceived. Have you ever heard half the story? I've heard half the story a lot. You know, I, we, I, I do a lot of counseling and, and a lot of conflict resolution, whether it be with married couples or family members or different things. And it always starts out like this. You'll have someone come to you and they'll start sharing with you the problems that are going on. Oh, you're not going to believe what I'm dealing with, how they talk to me. You know, they've, they've, they've done all these evil things against me. And, and, you know, they paint this picture. And by the end of that first meeting, I'm just like, this person is dealing with Satan. This other person, I have never, I have, I have never heard anyone be this evil. I can't believe it. And then, you know, by the end of the meeting, I'm just like, okay, here's the next steps. We need to get you two together. You know, let's come together, invite them to come, and we'll talk through this, and, and we'll go to God's word. And we'll see, what, you, know, how that, you know, how God's word applies to this evil person. We'll cast the demon out, you know. No, I don't say that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, we, we, I say bring them in. Now, here's what happens. 
100% of the time, I've never had this happen over hundreds and hundreds of counseling sessions. I've never had this happen. I have it happen differently than this. You bring in the other party, and Mike, you probably can relate to this too. You bring in the other party, and all of a sudden, the story changes. You hear the big picture. I, there's been so many times where I've, I've thought I'm going to this counseling session and this second person is coming in and oh my goodness, how am I going to deal with this person? And they're the sweetest person you ever meet. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, what's happened here? The story has suddenly changed. There's, there's two sides to this coin. There's two sides to this coin. It is so easy for us to see just a part of the picture and be deceived. And that's something that we have to remember. When we're going through the struggle, when we're, when we're really working through the hard things, when we're going through the victories, and God's working in your life and He's changing you and good things are happening, we have to remember we only see a part of the story. And God sees a much bigger, bigger picture. That's why I say we always need to make our plans in pencil and remember that God makes His plans in ink. Because we're going to move forward. We're going to do the things that God's calling us to do. And then, then God's going to say, all right, all right, take a slight right here. And we were going left. And we have to be ready for that. We have to be willing for that. And I think a part of that is just remembering that we just don't see the whole picture. And boy, we don't like hearing that. You may be sitting out there and saying, oh, that's fine. I don't see the whole picture. I only see part of it. And God's God. That's great. That's easy to sit here and talk about and think about. It is really hard when life gets hard. And you're just like, why am I having to deal with this? Like, I can actually, if, if God would just let me take over here, I think I could do a better job. Have you ever thought that? You may not have thought that in those words. <laughs> right? But, but there's this little thing inside of us that's just like, I could do better at this. Maybe God should give me control. Right? No, no, that's the worst thing that we can do. Actually, that's, that's the original sin in the garden, man. Adam and Eve, they thought they knew better than God. They listened to the serpent. They were like, yeah, yeah, okay. Eve ate the fruit, and she's like, oh, I didn't die. I'm smarter than God. Here, Adam, have some too. He's like, yeah, she didn't die. Let's do this. No, any time, any time that we think we know better than God, that, that is just pride rearing its ugly head. And I think... It's really important for us, no matter what you're going through, to remember, listen, we don't see the big picture. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry we don't. I wish we did. Boy, that'd make it real easy, wouldn't it? And we wouldn't have to have any faith. No faith at all. Because we would know it all. But God, God has saved us by grace through faith in his son Jesus. See, there's this huge part of Christianity a huge part of what God does in us, and it is faith. I mean, on our clearest day, we struggle to see God's great plan. We have earthly eyes, and God wants us to use kingdom eyes. He wants us to see things the way he sees them, eyes that are set on his glory, his power, his peace, and his purposes. And we shouldn't bring earthly expectations to our heavenly Father, if we want to pass over earthly expectations and go for heavenly perfection, we have to step out in faith. Faith isn't worried about the outcome. Faith isn't afraid of the struggle. Faith doesn't back down. It doesn't question the roadblock, the open door, or the difficult journey. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let me say it again for you. 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is when we pray for freedom today and God says it's a journey. And we say, not my will, but yours be done. Take me on the journey. Faith is believing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Think of these words in Hebrews here, hoped for and not seen. Hoped for and not seen. The assurance and conviction, the belief that God is right and true. If you have received an answer from the Lord that seemed to be not so good news, maybe it wasn't the list. Maybe it wasn't the expectation. Step out in faith. I, I think the human tendency when God is really dealing with us and working on us through things, and I, I say the hard things and the good things, because I think in the good things we, don't, we, we get to the point where we're like, oh, I don't need God, life's going really good, and we forget to pray. And then in the, the deep struggle, sometimes we get to the point where we're just like, oh my gosh, God's forsaken me, he doesn't think about me at all, what am I going to do, oh me, oh my, right? And we have these two extremes, and, and what, I, what God is really wanting in both of those things is for us to draw near to him. But that goes totally against our, our flesh, it goes totally against what we've kind of been trained in in this world. We've trained in this world to like pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to do the things that we were supposed to do. You, we make it happen. And God's like, no, 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 no. No, come to me. All who are weak, heavy burden, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You were never meant to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You were never meant to carry these things around. Those are meant, come to me. Give those things to me. That's what real freedom is. Real lasting freedom, real lasting peace is found in Jesus. It's not an absence of chaos. It's the presence of the divine in the midst of chaos. That's what peace is. You can walk through any storm. You can climb any mountain when you know that the creator of the universe is right here beside you. Holding you, lifting you up, actually carrying you. Through all of it. Believing that God is who he says he is. And this is where they messed it up. This is where the son of David, Hosannas, weren't real. Because they didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was. Let's pick it up in verse 10. We find it real clear. In verse 10. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? Who is this guy? And the crowds said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Nope. You blew it. Jesus was a prophet, but he was so much more than a prophet. Jesus was a healer, but he was so much more than a healer. Jesus was a friend, but he's so much more than a friend. Jesus is our Savior, and he is the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah that they had all been waiting for. 
that, this, that God's word had prophesied over and over and over again. Like we saw in Zechariah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all through the prophets, Jesus has talked about. And here they have him right in front of them. And it starts out so good. Hosanna in the highest. Here's, you know, here's our cloaks. Here's palm leaves. Here's everything. Hosanna in the highest. Son of David. He's just a prophet. Wrong. He is the Messiah. He has come. This is the one you've been waiting for, the one who could heal the broken relationship between creator and creation, humanity and God. Man, I, I started by telling the story of my dad getting me that gift. Here I wanted this cheap $5 toy, and that was the thing I thought was going to be the best thing ever. And he got me a go-kart that we rode for years and years after. Hmm. Who knows us better than we know ourselves? Who knows what we need? Who knows who is, is loving enough to give us what we desperately need, even though we don't know that we need it? Who sees beyond all the struggle and all the frustration and all the anger and all the questions and, and all the difficulty that we work through and struggle with and, and we cry out to him for? He is loving enough to say, no, no, I'm not... I'm not going to give you what you want right now. Because what's going to happen 10 years from now, you're going to find out that's not what you need. That's not what you need. They wanted freedom from Rome. They wanted peace with Rome. They wanted to be out of that rule. They wanted their own thing. And God says, no, I'm not going to save you from Rome. I'm going to save you from hell. I'm sending my son. And that's what Jesus is. He is your savior. And this isn't just a story that happened 2,000 years ago. This is a story for you right now. You may be here and you, you may not even know who this Jesus is. Jesus is God's only son. You see, back in the garden that I talked about, Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they created this great divide between creator and his creation, between humanity and God. But God, in his graciousness and love, had a plan set in place. That he would make all the wrong things right, all of this devastation from sin that you and I see and deal with and struggle with. God had a plan. And his plan was to send his only son. God, being perfect, demanded perfection. A perfection that none of us could live. No human could live. And so he sent his only son. And Jesus lived a perfect life for me and you. He didn't sin in thought or deed. He did what no other human could do. Being truly God and truly man, he lived a perfect life. And we're looking at the triumphal entry, Hosanna in the highest. But they didn't last long. Because they had different expectations. And those cries of Hosanna, son of David, king, turned to crucify him. And that perfect son of God took on the sins of the world. He was a substitute in our place. And he died a sinner's death for me and you. If you don't know Jesus, know this. He loves you. Jesus died for you. And get this, Jesus rose from the dead for you. 
Jesus conquered sin and he conquered death. And he rose from the dead. He appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. It's amazing. And then he later ascended into heaven. And he said, he's going to prepare a place for me and you. And just like these people, we get caught up in the temporary. I want set free from the struggle. I want set free from the sickness. I want set free from all this other stuff, this difficulty, this conflict. And God says, no, no, no. I'm just going to set you free from death and sin. And here's my son, Jesus. Don't get caught up in the temporary. Now, don't get me wrong. Pray for freedom. Pray that God would grow you and set you free. And, and, and he will, either in this life or the life to come. Because he is good. And he loves you. And he knows what's best for you. So don't, by any means, don't stop praying for freedom now. Because sometimes God gives it this side of heaven. But not always. Sometimes he's in that hard, difficult journey, loving us through it, strengthening us through it. And in his purpose and in his perfect will, he guides us through those things. And he's God in our midst in the struggle. But don't get caught up in the temporary. Look to the eternal. We have to have kingdom eyes. See things the way God calls us to see them. Don't miss the gift you've been given because we're focused on the gift that we think we deserve. Did you hear that? That's a hard one. Don't miss the gift you've been given. Because we are so focused on the gift that we think we deserve. God's word says that before time began, God had set aside good things for you. Good works for you to do. Before Anything was created. He knew your name. He knew what you would do. He knew the struggles you'd have in your life, the victories you'd had in, you would have in your life. Every moment, every minute, God has seen it, and he knows you. Now, that's a terrifying thought, isn't it? That he knows every little detail, every skeleton in the closet, and he still sent his son Jesus to die for us. That's the love of God. Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, is a foreshadowing. I would have loved to have seen him ride in on the donkey, bringing peace between humanity and God. That's who he is. I would have loved to have seen that. But there is a bigger picture being painted because he is coming again. And when he comes again, he's not going to come in a manger. He's not going to ride in Jerusalem on a donkey. He is coming on a horse. He is coming as our conquering king. And he will make all the wrong things right. He will answer all the questions, all the struggles, all the difficulties that we've seen, all of the, the mess that sin has made of things. God, he's going to send Jesus, that second coming, is going to make all of those things right. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that is the, the precursor, the picture of the triumphal entry that we celebrate today on Palm Sunday. Let us... As the church, in, the, in between the now and not yet kingdom, let us be the church awaiting that second coming where he comes on the horse, our conquering king. He is coming for me and you. Are you ready? Oh, I thought I could name in there. Are you ready? We are ready. If you're not, surrender your life to Jesus. Put your trust in the perfect life that he lived. 
the death that he died for you, and his resurrection. Put your trust in him and see what Jesus does. Because he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. That's us. He's coming back for you. Give your life to Christ today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your son. And God, we thank you that you are not done with us. That while we draw breath here on planet Earth, you are working in and through us. You are working on us. That you have plans for us. That they are plans for good works for us to do. Help us to be a missional people on mission for you. That we would share the good news of Jesus Christ. That we have experience with all of our neighbors and friends and co-workers and family members that don't know you yet, God. And I pray for those who are here right now that don't know you, God. Move on their hearts. Reveal yourself to them as only you can. Draw them unto yourself. And those watching online right now, Father, move on their hearts. We surrender to you, God. You are the one and only true God. We surrender to your will, to your way, to your plan. And we lay our lives at your feet and we say, do whatever you want with us. Come and have your way, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.